Amen. Well, good morning, Cross Point. It's good to see you here this morning. How many of you excited about today? Anybody? Amen. Excited about you being here this morning. Uh, I, I just got to tell you, I, I really appreciate Greg and Tammy's story. Um, Linnell and I have known Greg and Tammy for much longer than they've been at this church, and and um, I really appreciate their story because it it it, t- it talks about how even through a, a great deal of suffering, they have continued and and will continue to trust God with their life. And so it's just what an amazing story. You know, we've we've talked about the the stories of of Cross Point Church. That's just one of the many stories of this church. And and I'm just so appreciative that Greg was willing to share that with us this morning. You know, this morning is a is a big day for our church. Today is uh, we we talked about uh, this day for the last couple of weeks, and and we've talked about how big a day this is for us because it's a very historical day. It's a very transformative day for our church, and so I'm very excited about the message this morning and what God's going to uh, just do in this service today. I'll tell you this: that in the first service we had about as many people as we have in here right now, uh, a, a big crowd in the first service, and and it was just remarkable to see the response of the people. And that's what I just love about this church is, is that God's just doing something very incredible in the life of this church. And so I pray that, that God will continue to teach us the extraordinary things that he wants to teach us this morning as we move forward in our second service. I want to pray this morning for our equipment campus as well as they continue to march through the same stuff that we are marching through as well. And, and, and I'll tell you, I'm just excited about our future, just very excited about our future. And so uh, this morning, uh, I just uh, can't wait to, to just see the response and, and how God just leads us in, in something so uh, just marvelous. Let me just say this. If you're visiting with us today, uh, you know, we, we are uh, taking up two offerings. Gabe had mentioned that a while ago as he came up. And so, you know, if you're visiting with us, if you're a guest with us, we want you to just remain just a guest with us, okay? This is a day for, for us as a faith family. And if you call this place home, if this is part of your faith family, then, then, then this is a really a day for us today. And so just very excited about what's going to happen in this place and what God's got in store for us. I want to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into God's Word and continue learning together uh, as we march through Joshua. So pray with me, if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we, we thank you for your presence in this place. And God, we thank you for incredible stories of faith like like the one that Greg was just sharing with us on video, uh, the faith that he and Tammy had and as they, they went through difficult times of their life. Father, I thank you for the many stories that exist in this place, the, the stories of life change, the stories of obedience, the stories of, of faith. And, and God, we, we recognize that, that everything that has happened here has happened for a reason. And God, that you have been faithful in bringing people together in changing those lives. God, we, uh, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for this, this day today. God, a big day for our church, a day that we can celebrate, God, just how great you are. And, and Father, as we move forward together uh, during this vertical initiative, as we respond to the great things that you are teaching us through this initiative, Father, I pray that we would just bring glory to your name. I pray, Father, that we would be obedient and just being people of faith. And God, that we would be true to, to living out what, what Christ has done in us, uh, God, by, com- by taking the greatest message that we've ever received to a community that, that is living a life without hope. I pray, Father, that we would be able to share Jesus with others. God, we love you. 
We praise you. We thank you for this time together now. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The message this morning is, is, talk, is, is called Committing for God's Glory. Committing for God's Glory. And we're going to be turning to Joshua chapter 4. You can go ahead and turn there if you like. But, but the reason we chose this title for this message, Committing for God's Glory, is that within the, the life of this church, there is, there is certainly the belief that everything that we do as a faith family, we should be doing all for the glory of God. You know, the reality is this, is that as, individual, as individuals, we were created to worship God. We were created to bring glory to his name. And we do that through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus is the one who is, through his power, by his blood, he has reconciled us to the Father that we may live eternally with him. And so as we recognize that, we, we also come to believe and recognize that we were created for worship. We were created to bring glory to his name. And so this morning, as we look at what we can do together as a faith family, as we look at what we can come together and accomplish uh, for Jesus, and, and, and as we embrace this great vision that he has given us to reach not only our communities, but also the ends of the earth, we know inherently that we are to do these things for the glory of God. What we see in this text today is a very powerful story of, of God's people living by tremendous faith to bring glory to his name. In fact, last week as we dived into the text, we saw where the people of God took huge steps of faith to cross the Jordan River. And it was by obedience that the people of God just began to move across that Jordan River. We looked at how the reality was that, they, that God didn't even stop the waters until they were willing to take that first step of faith into the water. And it was then that they began to see the glorious nature of God, the power of God, as he, as he once again provided for them in a very remarkable way. And so this morning, we get to continue in this story. Today's passage to me is equally exciting. It's, it's a powerful passage, I believe, that speaks of two things, involvement and commitment. Involvement and commitment. And so we want to look at that and we want to understand what it is that God is teaching us. I believe that this passage today teaches a lot to us about our responsibility and our role in the local church. And so we're going to be looking at that today. But one of the things that we see here is the people of God, they embrace the mission of God. They believed in the vision of God and they were committed to God. And so that's one of the things that I love about this passage. And I pray that as we, as we walk through this, as we, as we dive into the text together today, that this would be an incredible time for us to learn and for us to understand the things that God has called us to do. As, as, as a local church, uh, I, I believe that we can learn much from this passage. So let's read this together. Joshua chapter 4, we're looking at verses 1 through 7. Read this with me, if you will. Joshua chapter 1, four, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. It says, When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each a tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priests' feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay down the, in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, 
whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the, uh, of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it, came, when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. I love this passage because like I've said, I believe it teaches a lot to us concerning the local church. You know, as, as we think about our role in, in, in living out our faith together as one community within a community, as we think about the, the responsibilities that we have as, as believers in Christ Jesus, not only to live for Jesus, but to also accomplish the vision that he has for us collectively together, there is so much we can learn. You know, I, I believe this, that, there, uh, that what this passage is really teaching us here, and I, I think it's really remarkable, is the reality that the people of God in this moment in their life had a real kingdom focus. Now, that's not always the story with Israel. We see many cases where they, 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 uh, they recall in fear, they turn away, uh, they live in disobedience. We see that throughout the, the life of Israel. But in this moment of their life, what we see is tremendous faith. We see a, a people of God who respond in obedience. And, and it, it appears to us as we look at this text that they have a very much a strong kingdom perspective or a kingdom focus. They are wanting more than anything to accomplish the will of God in this moment of their life. You know, I believe there, there's a, a situation in our church today where uh, in, in churches today all across America and even in the lives of individuals who really don't see or grab hold of a kingdom perspective or a kingdom focus. Many people are living in, 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 in a very self-centered sort of focus instead of a kingdom-mindedness. And, and this is what we need to understand concerning the culture of the church in America today. I, I believe there are really three obstacles that keep us from, from having a kingdom focus. And, and this is something that we need to be aware of. Obviously, if we're going to have an outward focus, we, don't have to, we, we shouldn't have an inward focus. And so that's one of the first great obstacles that I recognize. You know, there are individuals who live their life, and they live them life, their life for self. Uh, there are churches all over the country and around the world as well who would rather build walls to keep the community out rather than to, to go out into a community with the message of hope and the message of Christ. And so that inward focus keeps them from having a kingdom focus. Another thing that we recognize is oftentimes churches become overwhelmed with the, the magnitude of vision. You know, I, I know that all of you would agree with me here today that God is, God is a mighty God. God is a powerful God. And one of the things we've come to realize is that God has a big vision for his church, for his bride to go out into not only the streets of our Jerusalem and the Judean Samaria, but also the ends of the earth. And so God will often give to the church a very God-sized vision. And many times we see in the life of the church, the church recalling because they see the vision is too great. 
And so that's not having a kingdom perspective. But another one of these obstacles that I recognized and was just thinking about as I was putting this message together is the reality that oftentimes spiritual apathy stands in the way as well. Spiritual apathy is one of those things where uh, it stands in the way of us having a kingdom focus. And, and it's amazing to me how, uh, and we see this in, in the media, we see this in, in friends that we have, we see this in, in other churches, but it just seems to be that we live in an age where Christians these days are often not living with any concern for prayer, with any concern for spiritual disciplines, for any concern for anything that seems to to, to be those things that Christ himself were concerned with. And so, obviously, if we're living in a spirit of, uh, I mean, a, a state of spiritual apathy, then we probably don't have a kingdom focus. But these are just some obstacles to kingdom focus. What we see in this passage is a people, the people of God, who in this moment of their life, they respond with such faith and obedience that there's no doubt that what they believe together is that they are called to accomplish the will of God, that they are called to go across that Jordan, that they are called to go into a land where there's giants, where there's large people. They are called to go into this place, and they are called to go because God has called them to go. And so here we see this this very kingdom mindset among the people. And it's in this passage that as we dive into it, we begin to learn these lessons that I've I've mentioned to you, these lessons concerning the local church today. I want to give them to you this morning. Here's the first one, and I think this is very important. As I was reading this passage and, 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 and really just sort of meditating on the Scriptures in preparation for this message, the, the, these words just really stood out to me, and I want to, I want to mention this to you here uh, this morning. I think one of the things that we need to understand about the local church is this truth that we are called, each and every one of us are called to take an active role in God's mission. To take an active role in God's mission. I want to show you something here. Look at verse 1 of our text. Verse 1 starts off and it says this. It says, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan... I love that. I love the first four words of this passage. Did you catch that? When all the nation had finished crossing over the Jordan. You know, one of the things that I'm so glad that the Word of God doesn't say here is that when some of the people crossed over the Jordan River, I'm so glad that the Word of God doesn't say, you know, there were some that went and some that just said, you know what, I'm still, I'm happy where I'm at. I'm so thankful that the Word of God pointed out that the whole nation went over. And here's what I know, here's what I know that that is a part of just the the human nature of people is that there probably was some uncertainty about crossing over. There was probably some that were more fearful than others. There was probably some, some disagreements among the people. But in the end, what we see is that the nation as a whole, the people of God together, they responded in tremendous faith and they were obedient to what God had called them to do, that is to crossed this Jordan River, and they took this this mighty calling upon their life very seriously, and they started walking to the other side, and as they walked to the other side, and they stepped into the Jordan, the scriptures teach us that God held back the waters that they could cross across on dry ground. And so we see a tremendous story unfolding here, but what I love about this is that it's, it, that what we read here, when all the nation 
had finished, when all of them responded in a very powerful way. Here's the lesson for us as a local church. It takes every single one of us. It even takes our children that are meeting over here in DPK. It takes every single one of us to accomplish that which God wants all of us to accomplish. And so one of the things that we need to understand is this, this reality of coming together and, 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 and just really buying into the vision, understanding the vision, participating in the vision, assimilating into the vision, being a part of the vision that God has called us collectively as a body. This past week, we were you know, getting ready up here at the church for the, the, this Sunday and the the, the reality that we would be taking up the go offering. And, and, and we started getting some phone calls of different people that were going out of town. And, and different people were saying, you know, I'm not going to be able to be here, but I want to bring my go offering up to the church. Or, you know, they were trying to make arrangements for, for this to take place. And one of the calls that was really special to me this week was a call that I got from Joey Weisenbaker. He's, he's been a part of our church since the very beginning. And his little son, Grayson, he, he, he had had something laid upon his heart that he wanted to share with us. And so Joey calls me, he says, are you going to be at the office? And I said, yeah. And he says, well, Grayson wants to bring his go offering up there and he wants to give it to you. And I just thought, well, that was sweet. And then Jason, uh, Joey went on to tell me the story. He said that that night before that they had talked about being out of town and it was Grayson who said, hey, what about the go offering? It was little Grayson that said, we can't miss church. We've got a go offering to give. And, and so they started talking about what to do. And they were talking about getting their envelopes ready and getting them up there. They would get somebody to take their offering to church because they were going to be out of town. And then Grayson says, well, I need to put my money in the little brick that they gave us in DPK. And so they said, well, how much are you going to put in there, Grayson? And he says, I don't know. And they said, well, well you need to go pray about it. And he said, okay. So so he went into the room with his mom and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and finally he comes out and the little brick that he had, the little box, the little bank that they had given him in DPK was just about to burst at the seams. And he looked at his dad and he said, dad, he said, I prayed about it and I prayed and God revealed to me that I'm supposed to give it all. And Joey knew what his son was doing. He said, son, I know you've been saving that money because you want to buy something special with it. You don't have to give it all. And he says, no, dad. I said, I want to give it all. He says, son, I mean, is that what you've prayed? Is that what you, are you sure? He was, he was really just making sure that his son knew what he was doing. And so he says, yes, dad. And he goes, well, you don't have to. And he says, dad, you're the one that told me to pray and God told me to give it all. And then Joey looks at his wife and says, we need to pray, you know. <laughs> we need. And then he says, and dad, I want to take it up there to Pastor David. And so me and Gabe, our family pastor, we, we met him up here at the, the church and he walked in with his little gift and here he was giving it all. And I thought for a moment, because I knew what the message was about, and I thought for a moment, what a beautiful example of the reality that it takes us all. It takes every one of us contributing in our way. You know, the reality is each and every one of us have spiritual gifts. Each and every one of us has a gift that God has given us for, the, for his glory. He's given us a gift to, to use in the life of the local church. He's also given us resources to use in the life of the church. And what we know is that to accomplish what God has called us to do, it takes us, it takes us all. I love what Henry Ford once said. He said this, he says, Coming together is a beginning. Staying together is progress. 
and working together is success. We need to be people, the people of God, who are working together for success, not of our own goals that we set in place, but for the mission of God that he has called us to as believers and followers of Christ Jesus. Working together, each one of us here taking an active role in God's, uh, God's mission. You know, about 15 years ago, and it's been about that long, uh, I remember someone, I think it was a college student that we were ministering to, told Linnell and I about a show that was on television called Survivor. Many of you know the show. Maybe some of you watch the show. I don't really watch it too much anymore these days. I see it still around. But the reality is this show is about this group of, of people that are taken to a deserted island or a deserted place, usually about 16 to 22 castaways, they call them. And so they take them to this place, this very desolate place, and they don't give them any resources, and they have to do whatever they can to, to survive. That's the, that's the issue there. They have to survive. And they always start to show off by dividing them into two teams. They divide them into two teams, and it's these teams that have to go out and they have to make shelter. They have to gather water and collect food. They have to build fire. They have to survive. And so they're having to do this and it never fails. There's always one team that when they arrive on the island or whatever it is they're doing, they all get busy doing everything that they do. Somebody's building the shelter. Somebody's collecting food. Somebody's gathering water. And they're doing all these things together. And then there's the other team where about half the people are sitting around, you know, just kind of watching the waters, going out for a swim. And it never fails. There's division there. There's argument there. There's, there's just problems there. What we see is the strongest team is always the team that comes together, that works together, that serves together, that, that just does everything together. They're working together as a team, and that's where we see success. The reality is here, and I love this about this text, when all the nation had finished passing the Jordan River. I love that. As a church, Jesus never intended for any of us to sit on the sidelines. Jesus never intended for any of us to just be along for the ride. We are all called to make disciples. We are all called to advance the kingdom of God. We are all called to come together as a local body of believers and to accomplish that which God must, is calling us to do. We must take an active role in the mission of God. Here's the second lesson, and I love this one. This one's even better to me than the first. One of the things that we notice in this passage, as we begin to study the passage, is that for the people of God, they were committed to future generations. And so the lesson I think we could learn is to commit to future generations, to commit to future generations. I love what we see here because vertical is not just about building a building. We've said that, we've communicated that. I hope that we have understood that as a church. It's not just about building a building. Vertical is a spiritual initiative designed to impact people. We are making an investment into the lives of people. In other words, with everything that we accomplish through this initiative, our prayer and our hope is, is that more people would come to know Jesus, that more people would come to know him and be discipled by the church, that, people, that we would all be pouring into those who come to know Christ and that we would be raising up disciples through this process. And so there must be a commitment to future generations. I want to show you something here. Look at verse 5 with me 
Uh, We'll read through verse 7 again. Read this with me, if you will. It says this. It says, And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, that this might be a sign among you. Now look at what the words say. When your children ask in time to come, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off. I love this because I can just see this playing out, can't you? That the people of Israel, as they build this memorial, as they go into the Jordan River and they collect their stones and they bring those stones and they build this memorial, that when the children come and they say, Daddy, why are these stones here? When they say, Mom, what is the purpose of these stones? What an opportunity it is to share the greatness of a mighty God who delivered them from one side of a desert into the promised land. What an opportunity these stones would represent to the children of future generations who when they see the memorial, they ask the question, what does this mean? And then the people of God have this amazing opportunity to tell exactly what those stones mean to them. What an amazing opportunity we see in building up generations of disciples. This is, this is just amazing to me because it is really God's way of providing an opportunity for future generations. But what we see is the people of God responding to this, going into the Jordan, picking up their stones, bringing those stones out, building the memorial. As we read through the passage, we see that this is taking place so that when those children come, they would have the opportunity to share of how great God is. I love this. You know, I I think I love this because, like I said, I I, I see it as sort of a, uh, I can see this playing out. Children ask a lot of questions, don't they? For those of you who are parents, you'd say, oh, yes, boy, do they. You know, I remember a time in my life when I was just a kid and I was writing and I was just firing off question after question to my dad. And finally, my dad looked at me and said, son, man, are you, you've got a lot of questions. I don't even remember what I was asking. I just kind of remember the, the response. I was like, was it wrong to ask these questions? I mean, but he was just sort of overwhelmed with all the questions I was asking. You know, as a granddad, I can't wait till my grandchildren come to me and say, granddad, you're the smartest guy on the planet, you know? And uh, why is the sky blue? And then, and then I would be able to make up something because I don't know the answer to that question, you know? And, 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 and not at all let them know that I'm not the smartest guy on the planet, you know? But, but children ask questions. Why is the grass green? Why do trees grow? You know, they have all these questions. But what a marvelous opportunity when children would come and ask you a question that is a gateway, is an on-ramp to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? That we would have the opportunity for generations to come to share the truth about our Savior, to share the truth about Jesus Christ, and to tell our future generations of how great a God we serve. Amen? How many of you are thankful for the Lord this morning? Amen? So thankful for the Lord this morning. And so here we see this being played out, this commitment to future generations. I, I love what David Horner once wrote in a book he wrote called When Mission Shapes the Mission. 
I love this because he, he points out something that we need to understand. You know, we don't need to do any of this. We don't need to be a part of this vertical initiative. We don't need to be a, a part of this local church. We don't need to do any of it without the leading and the directing of the Holy Spirit. We don't need to do it because a set of rules are in place that says we are supposed to do this or we're not supposed to do that. We're, as believers in Christ Jesus, are led by the Holy Spirit of God. And I love what he says here as we consider for us what it means to reach our community for Christ Jesus he says this, he says, if our motivation to be his witnesses is just an obligation to keep a commandment, then it cannot compare to what happens when our hearts are controlled and compelled by the inner workings of the Holy Spirit. I love that. You know, we, we can respond in dutiful obedience. We can respond because the rules say to give and be generous with our, our resources. But how much greater when we respond because the Holy Spirit of God, who dwells within us as believers of Christ Jesus, compels us. When the Holy Spirit of God motivates and drives us and moves us in such a way that we are living out the gospel, that we are living for God, that we are accomplishing all that we accomplish because the Holy Spirit of God has laid it on our hearts. We must not leave that part out. I love this passage. Uh, Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, the children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. I love that. Talking about what a great blessing our children are to us. Children are a heritage, look at this, from the Lord. And one of the things that we need to recognize here today is that everything that we do with our life can potentially impact future generations to come. Finally, I want to point out this last lesson that I believe we can learn from this passage. And this last lesson is this, is that we need to always praise and honor God. You know, the thing I love, and we talked about this last week, the thing I love about the bigness of this initiative is the reality that it's God's vision. You know, that, that we can't accomplish it on our own, that God has to accomplish this. And, and so ultimately, when we embrace God-sized vision, when we embrace God-sized mission, when we carry out the things that only God can do, then so much greater is our response when we bring praise and honor to God because He is glorious, because He is great, because He is wonderful, because He is so worthy of everything that we could offer as worshipers redeemed by Christ Jesus. And so here we need to recognize, I love in the last part of verse 7, it says these words, so these stones, these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. You see, the people were going to build this memorial with the stones. They were going to build a memorial so that when people asked, what is this about? That they could point to an almighty and awesome God. That they could point and say, God gets the glory for this. God is the one that cut off the waters. God is the one that accomplished everything to make it possible for us to cross from a desert into the promised land. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. We should not ever forget to praise and honor God in all things that we do. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I love that. It's a great 
life verse for all of us as worshipers. It's a great life verse for us to remember that in everything that we do, we should be doing this all for the glory of God, no matter what it is. And so what a great life lesson to learn. Hebrews 13.5 says this, Through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. Let everything that comes from our lips be glorious to God. Let everything that we proclaim, let everything that we say, let everything that we converse with others, let the words of our mouth be praise and honor and glorious to God because we are called as worshipers of of Christ to be glorifying an almighty God. For the people of Israel, when they brought these stones, it was an opportunity to point to an almighty God. Today, after the message uh, and, and after I pray, our band will be playing, and, and we want to we extend an invitation to you. This will be in the time which is typically in our last song when we have an opportunity to just respond to what God's calling us. But what we would like to do today is extend an invitation to the church. This will be an opportunity where we can come today at the end of the service, and on each side of the service we have our Go Offering buckets. And, and we want to invite each and every person that is contributing this morning to our Go Offering to come and to place their Go Offering in these buckets. This is a time of great worship. This is a historical moment for us as a church. This is a transitional time for us as a church. Let us come this morning and bring our Go Offerings to these buckets, and then what we would like for you to do is down front, maybe you can't see it from where you're sitting, but right here in the front, in the center, there's a big pile of stones. And this is what we'd like for you to do this morning. We would like each and every one of you to come and pick up a stone. And we'd like for you to take this stone with you and take it and place it somewhere where you will see it each and every day as you pray and as you study God's word, that this stone to you would be a reminder of the greatness of God during this spiritual initiative. But not only that, that this stone would be a reminder to you of the great calling that we have on our life to take the gospel message to the streets of our community and even to the ends of the earth, to share the gospel, the message of hope, the message of salvation, the message of Christ to those whom we come in contact with each and every day. Let these stones be a reminder that that is our calling as not only individuals, but as the church collectively. But here's what we want you to do also. As you take this stone home with you today, we want you to, to be aware that one day in the near future, as we begin the construction phases of our new church, we want to bring those stones back to the church that we too may be able to build a memorial for God. That when our children come to us and ask us, what do these stones mean? That we too would have the opportunity to say to our children, the future generations, that these stones represent a glorious God, a wonderful Savior. His name is Jesus. And we can share with our community and our children that these stones represent for us a time in our life where God expanded our faith where God did something remarkable in our hearts, that our lives were transformed, and that he accomplished all the things that we could have never accomplished. 
And so we're going to have a time during the construction phase. We're going to have a time in the construction phase where we as a church all come together and bring our stones back to set a memorial for a glorious God. Can I just... Can I just tell you this morning, I can't wait. I can't wait for the day when my little granddaughter comes and visits me and she walks in the halls of this new place. And as we walk into the halls and we, we come up to that pile of rocks or whatever it is that we do to them, that she would say to me as she holds my little pinky or whatever it is that she's, you know, as she walks with me, that she would say, Granddad, what do these rocks mean? I can't wait for the day when that happens so that I can, I can get down on her level and I can say, Caroline, I'm so thankful that you asked me that question that I could look at that pile of rocks and I could look at my granddaughter in her eyes and I could say, these rocks represent Jesus Christ. These rocks represent a glorious God whom I have been praying that you would come to know as a little baby. I've been praying since the day you were born that you would know Jesus. And God is a glorious God, and he has accomplished much. These rocks are more than just a pile of rocks, Caroline. These rocks represent my faith, and these rocks represent the faith of a church that believed in God at a time in their life when they were praying that their faith would be expanded. These rocks represent a time in our life where God came through for us. And God moved in our life. And my prayer is that, Caroline, you too would know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I pray that I will have that opportunity. And I pray for the future generations of our church that we would have the opportunities to share the gospel with everyone in our community that comes in our midst and says, what do these rocks mean? Joshua said, this pile of rocks is representative of a reality that God is among us. And I pray that we as a church would be able to say the same thing. This morning, my prayer is that every single person in this room would come forward and grab a rock. Now, I realize some of you have given online. We've already started receiving gifts for people that give online. You may say, well, I don't have a go offering. Come get a rock. We want to give you a rock. We want you to take a stone. We want you to, we want you to be a part of this. You know, in the first service, it was, it was sort of like, okay, we'll see how this thing works. But, but a room this filled, every single person came and got a rock. It was amazing. This morning, we want to bring our offering, our go offering, and present it to the Lord. We want to take a stone as a reminder of the great things that God has done and the great things that God will do in our midst and through us as we take the gospel message to a world that desperately needs to hear it. So let me pray. And the band's going to come up here and they're going to sing and they're prepared to sing as long as it takes for all of us to move and to take our stone and to remember the Lord and how awesome he is. So let me pray for us. And then you come and you give and you take your stone. Father, we thank you for this day.
Father, we thank you for this moment in our life as believers in Christ Jesus that we could pause for just a moment and to remember the realities that, God, you are awesome. That you are mighty, that you are powerful, God, that you are are so worthy of everything. Everything that we could possibly offer. Father, we thank you for the stories of faith that exist in the life of our church. We thank you for the stories of obedience where the people of God, as both individuals and as the church, have come together for your glory to advance your kingdom. And today, Father, I pray that as we as we continue to worship, Father, that each and every one of us would come to realize the need for all of us to be a part of the mission of God. That all of us here today would be committed to future generations. Father, I pray that today would be a day of action where the people of God respond in such a marvelous way to say, God, we believe in you. We worship you. God, we love you because you first loved us. God, we worship you now. We trust in you now. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen.